BridgeBank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. BridgeBank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. BridgeBank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Oh, that's nice. I can see the Golden Gate Bridge. So this playground looks pretty nice. Has a manicured lawn, has a children's playground, dog park, basketball courts, tennis courts. Right before you enter this park, there's a sign that says Julius Kahn Playground. That's a name that a lot of people probably don't know anything about. But San Francisco city officials are trying to get rid of it because it's got a dark, racist past. Today, the Julius Kahn Playground. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. I grew up in San Francisco, but on the west side. I never came out here as a kid, so I really didn't know about this park until we moved in early 2000, and the kids used to always play here. Alan Lowe is an attorney and member of San Francisco's Recreation and Park Commission. He also lives about four blocks away from this playground, which is located in the Presidio. Julius Kahn was a a congressman in the early 1900s. He was primarily known for his um, work with the Department of Defense. And he also played a pivotal role in establishing this park. So while he was known for some good things, probably he was most prominently known for his campaign against Uh, Chinese and Asians and excluding them from not just San Francisco, but the entire nation. That was the Chinese Exclusion Act, passed in 1882. And when this law was set to expire, Congressman Julius Kahn, who represented San Francisco, introduced new legislation that would make it permanent. No more Chinese laborers will be permitted to enter this country. No Chinese presently living here will be permitted to become United States citizens. So what was going on in San Francisco around the time that Julius Kahn was a congressman? Well, you know, there was, you know, ups and downs in the economy. A lot of this is economic driven. And at that time, there was the Workers' Man's Party, which was the labor union, which wanted to exclude Chinese labor, cheap Chinese labor. And so that was part of his motivation to really campaign on an anti-Chinese, anti-Asian platform. The statutes of this state say, blacks, mulattoes, Indians, and Chinese shall not be witnesses in any action or proceeding wherein a white person is a party. No Chinese shall be permitted to give evidence in favor of or against any white person in court. The Chinese must go. The Chinese must go. 
America at that time, and probably still to this day, struggles as to who should become an American. And at that time, the borders were very open. You should read some of the testimony of Julius Kahn uh, in the congressional record. He talks about Chinese being the most morally debased people who are murderers and rapists. You know, that echoes with the debate that we have today on immigration. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're not sending you. They're not sending you. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. They're bringing drugs. They're bringing crime. They're rapists. And some, I assume, are good people. And, and when did you learn about the naming of Julius Kahn Playground and Park and, and all this? Uh, it was really just within the last year. It was um, uh, President of the Recreation Park Commission, uh, Mark Beal, as well as the general manager, Phil Ginsburg, who had mentioned this to me. At the time, it didn't really register until I was walking my dogs past the park and thought, oh, let's Google Ju Julius Kahn and then it hit me, hey, <laughs> we got to make this, we got to make a change here and have a chance to correct this. A resolution to rename the park was recently introduced in the San Francisco Board of Supervisors. This is why I introduced this resolution to initiate the renaming process for Julius Kahn Playground. I look forward to working with our community to create the future we want for San Francisco, a place where we respect diverse people that call city, the city our home. Thank you very much. Do you have any idea how many of these uh, parks, uh, public statues, just public spaces may be named after someone who's done something wrong that we as a society now look back on and say that's not right? Because the, I, I'm assuming more of these stories are gonna be coming up and we've already seen a few. Well, that's an interesting question because San Francisco's history is deeply dark history is deeply embedded in a xenophobic swell that took over the city in the eight, late 1800s early 1900s so there are plenty of opportunity renaming opportunities you know Geary Boulevard Phelan Street it's throughout our city's history can we take them all down at the same time no I think we have to just take it one step at a time Julius Kahn's name, or anybody's name, who stands for exclusion, xenophobia, racial hatred, that name should be taken down. And if I have some sort of influence and can um, help the community in affecting that change, that is something that I want to be a part of. Renaming the park still has to go through the Recreation and Parks Commission. Alan Lowe says that could happen this fall. When we come back, we'll talk about how the country's anti-Chinese immigration laws oppressed generations of San Francisco's Chinese Americans. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You're listening to The Bay. I used to take kids here. This Julius Cotton in Cameron House Day Camp. I thought, don't laugh at me. I don't know if I should admit this publicly. Khan, I go, Genghis Khan? <laughs> I mean, I, was, I didn't know, you know, the kids asked me, who's Julius Khan? I didn't know, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. 
Hi, I'm Reverend Norman Fong, the Executive Director for Chinatown CDC and a Presbyterian minister at the Chinatown Church. My dad and many others uh, had to go through Angel Island to be interrogated. He was detained coming to this country. Angel Island was the terrible version of Ellis Island and the scrutiny and uh, embarrassment uh, that all Chinese immigrants went through right here, San Francisco, uh, is something that a lot of people are just learning about. How, how old was your dad in 1919? So in 1919, um, my dad came uh, at the age of 15 and he, he was a, a farm worker. They sent him down to the, uh, do farm work. Uh, there were a lot of Chinese doing that. Did, did he talk about what life was like at that time? He was so ashamed. Um, and I asked him, because, you know, hey, Dad, what happened? How's Angel Island? <laughs> and, you know, he goes, he didn't want to talk about it. So when you think about the Chinese, even today, the impact from the history, why did uh, we have to do laundry work and cook? Those were considered women's industries. So the Chinese were acceptable only in those two areas. But when they start, start messing with regular jobs, then uh, a lot of the white privileged uh, um, decided to, to act on it. And, um, and you know, I don't want to say it's about greed and race, but it is. <laughs> I was about to say, it is, it is. <laughs> and, and the other hard part was they allowed the men to come, not women. So um, our history began with a bunch of male uh, single bachelors who didn't plan to even stay here. And so there were all these stereotypes about the Chinese men and all that. Um, In the eyes of your father, if you, if you know that story, what happened with him as the law dissipated? So the bad part is um, I didn't know till my dad's funeral that I, he died ashamed. He didn't tell us kids, but he said, you know, where's this uh, American uh, dream? And, you know, he felt ashamed that he couldn't buy us a car. Uh, we didn't have a home. Um, and uh, a lot of Chinese never wanted to assert themselves that loudly because of a fear. My dad used to tell me, look out for white and black people. Uh, just don't talk to them. As a kid, a little kid, I'm growing up like that. And uh, my, my uh, school was Gene Parker, right in Chinatown. And all the teachers were white back then and all of us were Chinese. Uh, and when I left Chinatown to go to North Beach, I got, I got beat up. And uh, I remember being tied to a fence as a young kid. And uh, the Italian um, Salesian boys decided to have fun and w use me for water balloon uh, target practice. And that, that's just a little kid. I was the happiest kid before that. And then after that, I changed. I go, wow, there is racism and, and there is a negative side to our country and our history, even in liberal San Francisco. What year would that have been? So I was in junior high. So maybe 62, 63, I, I, forget, I forget. So uh, then the civil rights laws changed things and I, 
I was enlightened by Dr. Martin Luther King and the dream that we could become a beloved community where all races and people would be accepted. That's still my dream. Uh, but it's still uh, an intentional fight or intentional willful thing we have to do. And that's what Julius Kahn is about. How has your father's experiences changed the, the direction that your life has gone in? So um, it's because of my dad and my mom. My mom was born here in San Francisco, Chinatown in 1919. I promised them before they both passed that I would uh, stay in Chinatown to work and fight for our community uh, for the rest of my life. And so far I've done that Hey, I'm retirement age now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Maybe I'm free. <laughs> we don't want to pound away to hurt anyone. It's more correcting and, you know, the renaming. Hopefully, I don't even have a name. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for meeting us here. Okay. Cool. Thanks. Norman Fong says renaming the park to him has elements of these larger movements that are happening around the country, like Black Lives Matter and Me Too, where oppressed people who've been discriminated are challenging what's largely been accepted for way too long. The Bay is produced each week by the brilliant story-framing master, Vinnie Tong, and the Adobe audition wizard, Erica Aguilar, we received additional support this week from Erica Kelly and Chloe Veltman. Senior editors are Julia McAvoy, Holly Kernan, and Ethan Lindsay. I'm Devin Kadiyama. You've been listening to The Bay. Before you go, I want to let you know about another KQED podcast called Political Breakdown, which gets you into California politics. You're going to want to subscribe now because the elections are coming up and you'll want to be smarter. You'll want to be better informed. And let's be honest, you'll want to be entertained. Scott Schaefer, Marisa Lagos, they do that stuff. Subscribe to Political Breakdown wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.